Today on Blue 58, the Packers are about to play another game that they should win. So how do you prepare for a game like that? And what can we know about the result before it's even played? And what does that result say about the Packers? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Seems like we are in a position we've been in a lot this season. Again, this week, the Packers are preparing to play a team that they should probably beat. Over the last month, there have been a lot of games like that. The Texans were a game or a, a team the Packers should beat. The Vikings were a team that they should probably beat. The 49ers were a team that they definitely were supposed to beat. Now they've got the Jaguars, who come in playing some pretty miserable football. They are 1-7 and and going nowhere fast. As part of my responsibilities every week for AcmePackingCompany.com, one of the things I'm supposed to do is interact with the our opposing counterparts from the SB Nation blogs. So this week, I was talking with Ryan O'Blenis from Big Cat Country. And the tone of the conversation was, as it always is, very cordial. But there was almost an undercurrent of Ryan, like, if we were in person, we would have had our conversation. It would have been nice, friendly, whatever. And then as we were getting ready to, you know, go our separate ways, he would have pulled me, like, grabbed me by the shirt collar and pulled me close and been like, hey, don't screw this up for us. We don't want to win this game. We're trying to get right up at the top of the draft. So if you guys could just go ahead and I don't care how you do it, just go ahead and take care of businesses in this game. Don't screw this up for us. That's where the Jaguars are right now. They're in a bad place. And it's tough to preview games against bad teams. I was talking with Zach Rappaport of the Acme Packing Company podcast about just the process of going through preparations for these games. So, because he does a lot of prep and hosting for the Acme Packing Company podcast. So, he's got to do prep just like we do to do this show. And he said, it's, it's tough. Like, what do you say about this game? Do you sit and seriously break down every little aspect of the Jaguars roster? You can do that. There's some interesting things there. James Robinson's an interesting player. Who's leading the Jaguars in tackles right now? Not leading. He's second in tackles by one spot. Josh Jones, 2017 Packers second round pick. But honestly, there's really no situation where the Packers should realistically lose this game. So previewing games like this are just so unsubstantive. I use the analogy talking with Zach. It's like trying to push Jello up a hill. You, You can't get it all going where you want it to go because there's nothing to grab onto it. Like, What do you make of a team like the Jaguars or a team last week like the 49ers? There's nothing there. And so you push and you push and you push, and eventually you just get frustrated and take a big swing at this pile of jello that's just irritating you, and turns out there's a rock inside, and that's a Vikings preview. You say, we should beat this team, so we're going to talk about where the Packers stack up against the NFC North as a whole. Instead... And then the Vikings come out and beat the Packers. But we still got to talk about this stuff. We still got to talk about these games and these teams because that's part of being a smarter fan is, is thinking about these things in the right way. And a lot of that comes down to thinking about the non-obvious things. 
So that leads me to two big questions. First, what is the takeaway from this game? Before we even know what the result is, what is the takeaway from whatever the result happens to be? First, there's only one outcome that is really going to make you feel good. That's one takeaway here. And of, of three possible outcomes, you could have a convincing win, you could have a close win, or you could have a loss of any kind. A loss from, of any kind, as we've laid out already, leaves everybody on both sides feeling irritated. Jaguars get a momentary, yay, we got a win, but they don't really want to win. They want to get the best possible draft pick they can. They're hoping that that win column stays at one for the rest of the year. The Packers are trying to get the best possible playoff seating they can, so they want to win no matter how they get it. But a close win is almost as bad as a loss because the Packers should handle this team one way or another. And if this game ends up being close because some key Packers players get injured, the Packers just don't play well. Parts of the Packers don't play well, like say their defense doesn't play well and Jacksonville is able to move the ball and keep it close. That's not great either. If you bill yourself as a, a contender in the NFC, that's not a good outcome. So really the only good outcome, we can know this in advance, is a convincing win. The second takeaway that I think we're going to get out of this game is just the overall state of the Packers. We've talked about a lot over the last month or so about how these games are just as much if not more so, at least in the preview stage, about the Packers as opposed to the team they're playing against. I think that's especially true this week. The Packers are getting healthier. It looks like they're going to have David Bakhtiari back. looks like they're going to have Aaron Jones back. And if not this week, then I would assume next week they're going to have Alan Lazard back, as well as Christian Kirksey, but he's a much smaller factor on this team than Lazard. That's pretty good heading towards mid-November to get three starters back on your roster. It's not the same as trading for somebody to upgrade your team, but getting back to where you should be is a really good thing to be doing at this stage of the season. Not a lot of teams can legitimately claim to be getting better in mid to late November than they were in the early part of October. That's a pretty good place to be. It's especially good for the Packers because of an, al an analogy that we used earlier this year. We talked about the, the Packers as a microchip, at least on offense. They have a very complex, not so much schematically, but execution-wise offense. It's why they have those big, long play calls. It's why Aaron Rodgers has to wear the wristband. There's a lot going on in every Packers play. It's not even the illusion of complexity a lot of times, as Matt LaFleur likes to say. The Packers have so many moving parts. They use so many different personnel groupings. They use different people or diff people at different places on the field, different positions, a lot of pre-snap movement, things like that. Illusion or not, there's a lot of complexity there. And as we've seen a couple times over the past month or so, when you start losing pieces, you can't do absolutely everything that you would like to. You can't run your motion the same way. You can't put people in the positions you like to. A two-back set with Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon is a heck of a lot different than a two-back set with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones and Tyler Irvin or even Jamal Williams and Tyler Irvin. You start losing a couple of those pieces and things get bogged down. The microchip is getting back to full strength. If you want to use a different analogy, think of it as like a high-end pocket watch. 
got to have all the little gears and springs and mechanisms to get the exact result that you want. Can you start taking some of those pieces out? Yes, but you might lose like your calendar feature on your, your watch or whatever. I don't have a high-end watch. I'm not a watch guy. I think you understand what I'm trying to say here. The second big question heading into this game is whether or not the, the Jaguars can pull an upset. So out of those three outcomes, two of them require a pretty good game from the Jaguars. Can they do it? The easy answer is yeah, probably. Parity is still a thing in the NFL. It seems like it's less than it once was, but it's still there. Any team seems like it's capable of beating just about any other team on a given week. And if enough things go poorly, anybody can be competitive in any game. So can the Jaguars be competitive in this game? The easy answer is yes, because of those reasons we just laid out. The serious answer, though, is a little bit different. The serious answer is yes, the Jaguars can make this a competitive game, but it's a pretty narrow path. And it starts with the Jaguars' offense against the Packers' defense. So what has to happen for the Jaguars to make this competitive game for them on offense? Well, in theory, they should be pretty well equipped to make this happen. They've got a couple interesting young receivers in DJ DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault. That's pretty good. Uh, I would have liked Chenault as a a potential pick for the Packers. Uh, He can do a lot of interesting things, lining up all over the formation uh, for the Jaguars this year. Seems like he would have been an interesting prospect to have. It seems like he would have fit really well as like a supersized version of Tyler Irvin. Really, really well-built receiver, Chenault, 6'1", 227. That would have been interesting to have coming across the formation in motion. They've also got a young quarterback who can throw it deep. Jake Luton is not going to be great. But he's got a reasonably strong arm. We do know overall that he's pretty bad, though. And we can tell he's bad by one thing. How quickly everybody talks about how big he is. If you're a small quarterback and people are hating on you for bad reasons, they will mention early on how short you are. If you are a big quarterback and people are trying to prop you up for bad reasons, they will talk about how big and physically imposing you are. And make no mistake, Luton is pretty big. 6'4", 225. That'll be, that's pretty big. But if you're leading with that as a quarterback... You're pretty far down the list of marketable attributes. Luton is big, and that's about all. If he can go deep, though, and he's got a strong enough arm to do it, there is a path where the Jaguars could be pretty good here. If they do deep shots to those two pretty decent receivers, the Jags could win. Deep shots plus a healthy helping of Jake Robinson underneath, that could work. And you can start to see it if you talk about Jair Alexander probably being out with a concussion, Kevin King being a little bit banged up, the secondary overall being a little bit banged up, and just having some general questions about the secondary this year. I mean, let's look at a scenario where Jair Alexander doesn't go and Kevin King still isn't 100%. Your corners on the outside at that point are Josh Jackson and Chandon Sullivan. Josh Jackson has played much better this year. Do you want him as cornerback number one? Probably not. Chandon Sullivan, do you want him on the outside for a whole game? It's worth a shot in a vacuum, but then again, probably not. And then you start throwing more reps to Stanford Samuels and Kadar Holman, and then you start to see how there may be some problems there. 
But then you start talking about the Jaguars' defense versus the Packers' offense. And unless the Packers take the weekend off on offense, I just don't see a scenario here where the Jaguars make this terribly competitive on that side of the ball. It's not that the Jaguars have any, like, screaming deficiencies. But they are just not any good at really any one thing. And I guess I'm probably being a little bit too soft on them when I say they don't have any screaming deficiency because they're second worst in the league in scoring offense or scoring defense. They're second worst in yards allowed. They have the worst net yards per attempt allowed. They are 17th in yards per attempt allowed rushing. So they got that going for them. But still, if that's how far down the list you are, you're in trouble. It's a pretty narrow path to victory here for the Jaguars. And that's why I think this game is going to tell us so much more about who the Packers are than what the Jaguars are at this point in the season, because Jaguars fans even will admit that they are nothing. Last time the Packers and Jaguars played, I I wanted to make special mention of this because it's kind of a special game to me. September 11th, 2016. Four years ago, four years plus now. Why is this of interest to me? Well, this was the very first game we ever covered at thepowersweep.com. It was born just a couple of months before then, and that was the very first time we wrote or talked or whatever about the game. And you can go back and actually listen to the first time we, we did anything resembling a recap podcast all the way back on episode six. We are now up to episode 360, way back in single digits. That's a ways back. I do not recommend going back and listening to that episode because, well, the show has evolved since then. But thinking about how how far the show has come since then is is always kind of special. And I think uh, it's fun to look back at moments like that. And this gives us a unique opportunity to to do that. Uh, What it tells me also is that we are officially on our second trip through all the divisions. As we go through the divisional rotations and and things like that, we are now on our second trip through. 2016 seems like a long time ago. Just think about how different that game was. Well, Jordy Nelson was catching a touchdown pass. Uh, Jared Cook caught passes on offense. One of the big big questions was, uh, is Eddie Lacy going to come into this season looking lighter and healthier. Jared Aberderis caught a pass in that game the last time the Packers and Jaguars played. Nick Perry had a sack. Morgan Burnett had a sack. A lot of guys that you haven't thought about in a long, long time. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is playing for the other team. Wild to think about. Jaguars, of course, did not give that Packer, give the Packers too tough a game. 27-23 the final. Uh, made them work for it, but ultimately the Packers came out on top. What are people thinking about this game? Well, we don't have complete polling on this one, but people do feel pretty confident. Got the poll started a little bit later. 94% of voters, though, out of 84 votes, think the Packers are going to beat the Jaguars on Sunday. Mike Pettin, in our polling, is uh, now polling ahead of the defense as a whole, which is a unique development. Uh, He's up 4% over the defense as a whole. And uh, that is actually not saying all that much, though, because the defense currently at 0% uh, approval rate. 
Mike Patton at 4.2. Things are not looking particularly happy among Packers fans on the defensive side of the ball. But I think this could be a good situation where the Packers get a little bit healthier, they get some of their pieces back, they get an opportunity to take care of business against a team that they should definitely beat. Again, two of the three outcomes here are bad for the Packers. I'm feeling pretty confident that they're going to get the good outcome. There is a chance that the weather plays a factor again on Sunday, but I'm not banking on that. I think the the Jaguars are not in as good a position to make things difficult for for the Packers as the Vikings were. Before we wrap up for today, do you want to make mention uh, again that we have the special Patreon-specific podcast available out this week, taking a look at running back value. How do we evaluate running backs and, and what they contribute to the team? What does it say about the Packers running backs and what does that uh, that mean they should do moving forward? Give it a listen to that. $1 per month gets you that Patreon-specific content and helps you uh, continue to support the show. In the meantime, we will see you after what we think is going to be another Packers victory. Uh, If you enjoyed this preview and you want to help us continue to find more people who we can talk to about the Packers and grow this conversation we're having, I'd appreciate it if you would go ahead and share this show. That's the best way that we found to, to grow the tent here, help more people find what we're doing, and ultimately help all of us become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.